You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Today's episode is brought to you by Solid Gold Effects. These guys are, uh, you know, they've been with me since uh, day one. They've been very supportive of the whole Tone Mob project, and of course, making the Model 1, like you guys know. And So it's nice to have them come on board as a sponsor of the show. And they really, truly are one of my very favorite pedal companies. Um, my first delay was the Electroman by Solid Gold, and I absolutely love that thing to this day. It has an effects loop. That's the pedal I'm talking about whenever I'm talking about playing with uh, effects loops and delays. And it sounds awesome. It has the lovely, lovely runaway switch, so you can get crazy and have a have a good old time with a big old wash of crazy, fuzzy delay. Whatever you stuck in the effects loop, whatever you stuck in the effects loop, that's what it's gonna do. It's gonna make magic happen. So check out the Electro Man, and yeah, you'll be very glad you did. This episode is also brought to you by. Sinusoid, that's right, the guys with the uh, sweet, sweet 100-year warranty on their guitar cables, the guys that are super chill and super awesome, and I don't even know, I don't even know if I can say enough good things about the dudes over at Sinusoid. They have been a huge supporter of the show, and they make awesome, awesome products, and if you like what you're hearing, you like guitar, you're going to need some cables at some point. So you might as well support an awesome company who's helping support your local guitar podcast. I mean, right? Why not? And uh, plus, you know, like I said, they got a 100-year warranty. They're really nice. Just the presentation of everything. It's just like you feel like you're really getting something special, and you are. Plus, I have it on good authority that they are the preferred cable of bird watchers. So take that information and do with it what you will. Hello everyone. Welcome to another very exciting episode of the tonemob.com podcast. I'm your host Blake Wylan and with me today I have Matt Ike of Mule Resonator Guitars. How you doing, sir? That's me. Hey, it's uh, it's pretty cool to be on and doing this, talking to you about these guitars. I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited because I, I, like I told you before, I played Resonators. I know what they're about and what they, what they sound like for the most part. But I don't really know anything about them or the history behind them or, or really how they're constructed or or any I don't know any of the nitty-gritty details so you would Yeah, the they're kind of like they're kind of like the red-headed stepchild of the luthier world, you know, where either it's a old national guitar or it's got some crazy lightning bolt hubcap, you know, 
something on it. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah, it's uh it's definitely a new new kind of thing. Nice. Um well maybe before we get too into the guitars themselves and what uh we could get your kind of musical backstory and then how that folded into uh you doing what you're doing today. Um yeah, so I guess kind of long story short, um I started playing guitar in high school and um when I was about to graduate I was kind of looking for what I like to do that required the least amount of school possible <laughs> and uh so I ended up at Roberto Van um Lutheran School there in Phoenix and went there and then uh kind of traveled around the country doing um random jobs for a while ended up at Hudson Dalton Guitars in Virginia um for a few years and that's kind of where I learned uh the meat and potatoes of making guitars it it's a pretty small shop i think we had 11 or 12 employees um when i was there so you were able to do a lot of the work um but most importantly like a large quantity of work you know we were doing eight guitars a week so i was carving uh four necks a week and uh milling up brace stock and binding and all of that stuff so you know after three years of of doing that I got my hands on a lot of guitars um uh moved to Chicago for a while uh to help out with some family stuff and then um lost my job in 2009 along with a lot of other people and uh ended up moving back to Michigan saw Kelly Joe Phelps play resonator guitar and uh kind of left thinking um I could maybe possibly learn the metalwork and combine that with the guitar stuff but also like make one that looked like the natural materials so without the nickel plating or or powder coating so there was the whole uh materials and patina involved with that too so um yeah so it started out with that concert there at kelly joe's and um um built four in the first year and then ran out of money and ended up at a factory um uh, swinging engine blocks and worked there for two weeks and had a wait list so I quit and the wait list grew and grew and grew and now it's um now we've got a nice nice shop and it's uh me and my brother Phil and my friend Adam Smith who build them so um yeah so it's kind of a long story not so short but <laughs> it took it took a good 13 years between graduating high school to um getting the mules going so i'm uh i'm pretty happy to be doing it that's uh that's really cool um so it was just really that one concert in particular that kind of made you go oh, i think i want to try oh it yeah it totally was i mean i had never played a resonator guitar before that show and like i mean 10 years almost exactly before that i was at roberto Venn and I had long hair, and I was into the metal, you know, thing, and uh, I heard Kelly Joel play, and that was the first time where I was like, oh, you can play guitar with your fingers, like, this is crazy, <laughs> you know, like, my ex my experience with acoustic music up to that point was not that, and so I heard him play, and I was just like, whoa, like, this is a whole different thing. And so that that really steered me down the acoustic direction, and that's how I ended up at Hudson Dalton. So then, yeah, 10 years later, after getting laid off, and I'm up in Traverse City seeing Kelly Joe, and he uh, 
he had his national and people just like lost their minds about this guitar you know like they're yelling questions about it in between songs like what year is it and like what's it made out of you know all of that it's just it, resonators there's just so much guitar you know like they're just so loud and they're metal you know like people who don't even play guitar think that's cool so right uh, so yeah it w- it was definitely like leaving there like um like this could be something and he had made a joke about it blinding the audience like the the plating and i think that's what kind of spurred on the like well i'm you know i'm a guitar player i like the materials like what if it looked like more like the natural you know steel or brass that it was made out of so that was kind of the combination of those two ideas right right was it did you find it was a a, a big learning curve going from you know tr- the traditional working with wood and like you say binding instruments and things like that to do it trying to make a similar thing out of metal or was it fairly straightforward oh it totally was it i mean it's totally different what the what the guitar experience before that helped with was like carving sanding staining setting necks and then like the geometry that needs to happen being able to understand that stuff like you know your your cones are certain heights so how deep does the sound will have to be to get a certain neck pitch because your saddle height and your hand rest having the guitar knowledge helped with that that sort of stuff but the i mean the but there's nothing that's similar with the body you know it's all metal how do you cut me- i i had never cut a piece of metal before it was like oh you can cut steel that's amazing <laughs> you know like who would who would think and then it's like how do you join steel <laughs> do you weld it do you braze it do you solder it and the big learning curve in the beginning was because there's so few people who do this and have done this there's almost no like resource of knowledge you know so it was it was talking to welders it was talking to bike frame builders it was talking to roofers because like traditionally soldering is kind of uh like sheet metal soldering is reserved for like uh tin roofers you know in different sorts of joints and stuff so i would call i would call like a roofing place to ask them about some industrial soldering iron that they have be like, yeah, I want to build a guitar with this. And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> you know? And so so it was like trying to piece together all of that stuff. And then like, um, you know, having some parts, water jet cut or laser cut. So then when you realize, okay, these are kind of the machines to do parts of that, all the water jet guys were saying, oh, no, you need to have la- this laser cut. And all the laser laser guys were saying, oh, you need to have this water jet cut. You know, so it was just like oh, a matter no. of like doing it. You know, it's like you, you. I just had to decide and put money down and have it done, and then try to learn what went wrong with it or what went right, and like keep moving forward. Because there was no one to ask, you know. Um, so it was trying to figure all of that stuff out from scratch, and so trying to figure out like what needed to be done, but then how to do it. Like what sort of jig do you use to assemble a sound well, you know? And, and so you just start making a bunch of jigs and figuring it out. So yeah, man, I mean the guitars, the guitar knowledge helped uh, previously, but getting it started was, was brutal. It was, 
it was a long process. Yeah, I would imagine so. And that's kind of what it was what I was thinking and like one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is like there's not very many people doing well there's nobody right now currently that I know of doing exactly what you're doing and uh yeah, the only the other one, there's like, one guy uh Larry Pregrebo was doing it for a while and then he kind of got out of it and he I believe he's back and doing it now and he builds some really cool stuff uh Mike Lewis he's in Paris he makes them uh Don Mo in Australia um and and those are kind of the ones that I know of off the top of my head Right. So, yeah, we're kind of spread out over the world in our. <laughs> I was gonna say we corners. sounds like we get one or two per continent. It sounds like. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, like in the beginning, it was just kind of like, oh, I have this idea. I wonder if I can make this. And I'm really stubborn about stuff like that. Like once once that itch gets in my brain, like I have to scratch it. Like I have to figure out, like, will I be able to do this or not? Um, but then like, as it went on, it was, it was kind of a conscious decision. Like, oh, you know, everyone's kind of playing the game of, I'm going to only use the finest spruce and the finest Brazilian rosewood, and these will be the most exclusive instruments. And, uh, by doing the resonator thing, I can play my own game. You know, it's something that hadn't been being done. And then particularly like with the patinas and stuff um you know as opposed like there's so many amazing guitar builders out there now and if i'm trying if i'm i mean i was really stuck in a spot after getting laid off so i had to find something that worked it wasn't just well i really like woodworking so i'm going to build i i had to find something that would work and um kind of kind of playing that game that nobody else was playing really really helped um so yeah yeah that that makes sense and it started ticking in my brain and i was i wanted to ask you because i've had very little experience with not only with resonators but with guitars made out of metal in general like um you know the only ones i know there's more but the only ones that are coming to mind currently are like the electrical guitar company guitars and um there's a local guy here to me um uh, who does uh i played his uh like semi-hollow aluminum yeah electric oh, cool. uh, N- normandy guitars is, is the name of his company it just happened to run into him at a guitar show at somebody's booth and i was like that thing looks rad i gotta try that and yeah it was really cool um but i'm just thinking you know he i i from looking at his uh website and stuff like he generally um prefers the sound of an aluminum guitar um or a metal yeah. guitar um, do you, do you kind of feel the same way? Like you, even for like, th- take the resonator part out of it. Cause I know you like, you do the mule caster. Do you prefer yeah. the sound of, or something about metal guitars over wood? Um, you know, I've like speaking about the, like the mule caster, something that we've found, um, is you have that open body and then you have the steel, which makes it really loud. And, um, you know, it obviously changes the tone of it, but something that I've, I've really come to enjoy about those steel guitars is because the body volume is so much greater, not that you can play louder because that's not an issue with electric guitars and an amp, but you have 
more dynamics. Like when you play soft, it's soft, but you can you can really dig in and it gets so much louder. And what that what that translates to, I feel anyways, like in my right hand is the touch that you get with like the pickups and stuff is really it's really something. When I get on like a normal, you know, potted pickup solid body guitar, it kind of feels compressed where you know the lows aren't or the you know the soft stuff isn't as soft and the loud stuff isn't as loud and it's kind of this really you know thick down the middle which has its place obviously but with um with these open body steel guitars it's just the dynamics you can get with your right hand is is really something so um yeah i'm i mean I think resonators, steel body guitars is a lot like drinking coffee or drinking whiskey is like, there's a little bit of a learning curve where, you know, the first couple times, um, you know, it's kind of painful. And then once you get over that hump, you're like in, you know, you are, you are a coffee drinker. And that's where I'm kind of at with resonator guitars in particular is, you know, the bug bit me pretty hard. So, um, yeah. I, I definitely do prefer the, the metal sound right now, um, just because I'm pretty far invested in it. <laughs> so, right, that's a that's interesting. Yeah, it makes me uh, it makes me wonder just because they're you know as with everything, the internet kind of helps expand people's awareness of of certain things. I wonder how um, receptive like the general guitar p- playing public is to some of these ideas because like. Everyone's very set in uh, the ways of the like you know, you know certain tone woods and and all that. And I, I everyone's got their opinion on it. Um, and it seems like you know in my mind I I feel like it's more about the builder um, than the the wood itself sometimes. Um, yeah, for um, sure. I and I agree with you. I think for one in particular, like resonators are definitely a niche thing and so it's and it, the internet has made it it's never been easier to find your niche <laughs> you know like there are resonator guitar internet forums where all the resonator players of the world can get and geek out you know um and and i think you i think you bring up a good point too with it being about the builder um and that's something that i'm i'm pretty um explicit about like i try to describe the sound of these guitars in as basic terms as possible um just because it's so hard to describe sound you know in words especially on the internet because everything can be expanded so much further this is the basiest you know this is our double o guitar is balanced and sweet but yet it booms with the low end of a dreadnought and it's like right. it's not true like you're you're just <laughs> saying words to sell guitars you know like your double o does not have to be a dreadnought to you know make this accessible to everyone it is what it is and when when you buy a guitar from a builder it's it's about that connection with the person that's making it because this guitar is not in the world. I can give you, I can give you a a rough, you know, idea of what this guitar will sound like. But in the end, this is the guitar that you as a customer helped create and bring into the world. It is what it is. That's the fun part about guitars. 
you know, I'm not, I'm not tapping the steel. I'm not deflecting, you know, testing, whatever. You know, there are, there are things that I do to, to control the sound, of course. But in the end, it is what it is. And that's, that's what's awesome about instruments is I don't have this imminent control over every, you know, EQ level to try to, you know, bring out that, that mid sound that you've always wanted. Just, you know, enjoy the instrument for what it is in the process with the builder. And, um, and then, and then you get a guitar that's really fun and teaches you things about sound. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that when you, that you touched on some points where I was kind of headed with that tone wood topic. Like, um, like I, I do know that like, in my experience, I've picked up, you know, two guitars that were supposedly the same from the same factory or from the same builder, and they just, one was good and one I didn't like. Yeah. Um, I think everybody's ran into that. Um, what I was thinking is, like, with, with steel and the way that you you spend so much time with each guitar, seems like there would be a lot less variance with with steel than there would be with wood. Yeah, you would think, and I think in, um, you know, in certain terms, there is less variance. Like, I don't want to give the impression that, um, like, all of these are incredibly different instruments, but they, but they are. I mean, we've, um, we're, we're coming up on, like, number 300 here pretty soon. Nice. And, I mean, every single guitar that I sit and play on, I hear, I hear new stuff. Um, you know, it's. Because I mean, steel steel is still a created thing. It's not this like scientific laboratory controlled thing. Like you're you're heating up elements and melting them, and you know it's cooling and and you know all of that stuff. So so there is some there is some randomness involved. Um, there's also like a big thing with building these mules in particular is like the tension in the back. Um, I kind of think of that as like a drum head. So that influences the sound a lot too. Um, but yeah, I mean, steel piece to steel piece, you know, every guitar, I can have five guitars on the wall and we can, we can hear differences in them. So it's, it's not a cookie cutter thing. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's super fun. That's not what I would have like, would have thought at all. It would have been like, well, you know, this grade of steel has this much this in it and this much that in it, and therefore it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, you know? like the percentages <laughs> and stuff. And and so we use stainless steel. We use 304 stainless steel. So, like, there's differences bet- between, like, those different steels. Like, you can get 304, but you can get 304L, which has a lower carbon content, which makes it um, less dense. So mm-hmm. now it's, it's less dense, so that's going to affect... The steel but you can also get like three or three or four ba which is bright annealed steel so so the grade is or the alloy is the same but with like the bright annealed stuff that we use for the backs of these guitars what they do is after the steel's cooled they heat it back up to a certain temperature and they hold it there and what ends up happening is all the molecules realign and um, so when it cools everything cools in this kind of haphazard fashion and with the bright annealed stuff, it lines back up, and it actually, because it's all lined up, it makes it a lot shinier. So you, you know, when when things are all aligned, it reflects, 
And so what that does, it, it softens the steel a little bit and it lines up. So you get a little bit extra base out of that stuff. And that's why we use that for the back. So, okay. you know, as much as, as much, I mean, in the beginning too, I thought exactly the same thing where it was like steel X is steel X, you know, this is like mathematically it. And it's, I mean, steel's a lot like wood in that regard. There's things that you can do to it. There's pores in the steel. So like when we apply the patina, we have to heat it up so that the pores expand so that it accepts some of that patina a little bit better. Um, you know, crazy stuff like that, you know, um, the stainless steel, there's an element in it that, um, reacts with that, um, reacts with oxygen and that's what makes it stainless. And when we, we sand that off, that oxide layer off, um, and put the patina on that, that element is still in there and that oxidizes with the air and reforms that layer. And so it's like, you know, metal is kind of this really cool um, medium where it's it's kind of like wood, but there's also like these like kind of magical <laughs> things that happen, you know. Right. And uh, you know, and that's and that makes it kind of fun. That's interesting. That, yeah, that's yeah. all. That's all fascinating. It's not. It's not what I would have imagined it to be at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't for me either. <laughs> so, and I, and again, too, it's like I'm not a metal worker. I am a resonator maker. So, um, you know, there's I mean, obviously, there's guys who their whole lives have been dedicated to certain, you know, metalworking stuff. So everything I said might have been wrong. And I apologize. But that's my <laughs> understanding of it up to this point, you know, um, because there's so many amazing things that guys do with metal, you know, like sheet metal guys shaping fenders for cars perfectly and all of that stuff, welders, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's part of the reason I was kind of interested to talk to you. I just, I kind of assumed that I was going to get a story that, like, lined up with, like, I don't know, so I, you know, I did a little bit of metalworking, you know, in my last job. Uh, cool. As, as a mechanic. So, like, I was never super good at it, but, like, I did, I I was a heavy equipment mechanic, so I did a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, not a lot, but I did a decent amount of welding and cutting and making Sweet. things, fabrication. Yeah. Uh, not nothing like some of what some of my friends do, but um, I did a little bit of that. And so I was kind of expecting some sort of story of, oh, well, I used to work in a, steel mill uh you know and so yeah I right to, yeah <laughs> you know i was always like a that. welder and you know a machinist and i just decided to you know get into guitars um you know i hear that a lot with like wood guitarists too like you know kind of like ex-engineers finding a you know early retirement job you know and going into guitars and bringing that kind of world of knowledge and uh man i wish i wish that was my story because that would have made things so much easier i mean i had nothing but like google and like one it's one thing to like find the answers it's another thing to find the questions and finding the right. questions was incredibly difficult for me um because like i said i had never i had never cut a piece of cut a piece of metal so it was like how do you cut a piece uh, how do you cut a circle in a piece of metal it's like so i ended up 
I ended up driving to St. Louis, Missouri to pick up a Pexto circle shear to mm-hmm. cut circles in metal because that was the way that they used to do it. And that at the time, that was the extent of my knowledge. And so I had to act on the information that I had at the time. Otherwise, you you get caught up in, like, is this right? Is this wrong? It doesn't matter. You just need to keep moving, you know, and eventually, eventually stuff starts happening but you don't know what you don't know so you just have to do things (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point that's a something that like i've talked to people before about like with business stuff and it's like um sometimes you just have to start before like you you would it would be nice if you knew everything about everything before you took the plunge but yeah you just have to like you have to start doing your thing and then you will you will figure it out, yeah. or you won't, and you'll pivot and you'll do something else. Like it's not really the end of the world, but you you know if you really want to try something, you should you should just go try it. Oh, a hundred percent. I forget what the saying is exactly about like the enemy of a good plan is the thought of a perfect plan. Like there is no perfect plan, <laughs> you know. There's there's three different ways that this thing could work, and if you're hung up on trying to find the one way, you can you can sit there and try to figure that out. And I'm gonna try the two other things, and one of them's gonna stick, and I'm moving on. Yeah, I you know you know like with the business thing, you do not have time to sit and deliberate and ponder and you kind of idealize certain things. You have to decide right now, and you have to do something, and you know, move on. And, uh, I learned that at Huss and Dalton and, um, there was, it's a little bit, I won't say exactly what he said, but, um, I was a youthful enthusiast and I was going to make this sled for making, uh, finger braces. And so I went in the mill room and I drew this up and I thought, and I thought, and I pondered and I threw away and I went in. I went into the room, and I asked John Kalkin, who's the, like the old timer and just amazing, you know, production uh, type bodybuilder there at Hudson Dalton. And I showed him my design. I was like, John, what do you think about this? And he looked at me. He's like, just build it. And that was it. <laughs> and went back to. And it was just like. That's that's exactly it. I mean, that was so striking for me as a lesson. It was just build it, and if it doesn't work, fix it. You know, (laughs) and and it was. I mean, it was so pivotal. I mean, that was that was thirteen years ago or something. Um, And I still I still go back to that almost almost every time I'm faced with some sort of conundrum that's not just building but like you said like on the business side of things is is just do it and then if it doesn't work move on and it's so incredibly freeing that way too is you you understand how um kind of uh you you're just lack of like capacity of knowledge is like i can't understand if this will be right or wrong so i just have to do it and it will tell me (laughs) right (laughs) so yeah yeah it seems like we kind of have a and you know everyone's everyone does this uh we we seem like as a society we've kind of uh we have the the, ingrained in our brain early on that failure is a bad thing and uh 
you know, because like you fail a test or something, like, and that's bad. Exactly. You, you yeah. know, when really, like, sometimes it's, I mean, it sounds super cliche because you hear everybody say it, but it's true. Like, sometimes you learn more when you fail. You know, as long as you don't fail at, like, um, you know, walking across the street, because that would be a bad failure. You might get hit by a car and you're not going yeah, to le- sure. learn anything from that one. But, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, you know, and obviously there's a balance there. You learn, you learn from failure and you also learn from success too. Those are both very powerful teachers. But right. sometimes, especially when you're doing something that is new that people haven't done really before or you yourself have no prior experience and is failure is the process. Like that's like finding, finding all the wrong answers first is sometimes the only way to find the right answer. And, um, and sometimes you have to go into that mode, but yeah, I mean like, and not to get on a whole diatribe about it, but you know, throughout (laughs) school you go through 18 to 24 or further years of, of trying to learn things and then you get tested on it and you get a bright red X mark over all the things you got wrong. And then, um, you know, you go out and try to do work and you're waiting for someone to tell you what's right and what's wrong. And your employer's looking at you going like, just do it. Yeah. Just build (laughs) it. You're like, wait, I don't understand. (laughs) Like my brain is not because it's, you've gone so long being taught that what you need to find is the right answer. Like that's what this assessment is about is you knowing the right answer. And that is the antithesis of life, (laughs) you know, in almost every context is you will not know the right answer, but now is the time that you have to move on and, you know, do it. And, um, yeah, it's, I, I think making things is, is so such a great teacher of that. Um, you know, I, I don't think everybody has to, you know, like a trade is not more virtuous than some other work, but it definitely teaches you things in a very direct way that this is right and this is wrong and you don't know what to do, but you kind of have to figure it out. Right. (laughs) I, I love, I love systems like that, like those physical, you know, kind of teachers, um, where you're not at a, you're not at a sheet of paper or on the internet, you're doing things and learning life stuff from them. Right. Right. Well, since we're kind of going on this somewhat philosophical kind of a tangent, yeah, I noticed like one of the things that kind of caught my eye and one of the big reasons I wanted to get you on the show, besides of what you're doing, is the um, articles that you write sometimes um, that seem to be very like uh, focused on makers of really any sort. Like it doesn't just have to be. guitar oriented but it, the, mm-hmm. i always thought that those those articles were really good um the ones that i've read Thanks. anyway and uh i didn't know if there was there some sort of trigger with those that made you want to put those out there or is it what what was kind of the what's the reason behind uh, creating those well i think i think the trigger is so like like i said i mean there was 13 years 14 years between roberto venn and mule and in that time, three of those years were at Huss and Dalton. The rest of that time was at factories, um, rolling tape, 
the engine place, uh, filling orders at an industrial supply company, rubber extrusion. Um, mm-hmm. So it was it was very like monotonous work in these um, situations, but um, along those in like in those jobs, like when you're on the line with people, I was I was really kind of blessed to make some friends um at those places who really enjoyed philosophical conversation um i have had a friend at uh mcmaster car terrence and and that man saved my life you know in those jobs where it was very monotonous and we all took a great deal of pride in our work anyways but to be able to converse about things um all day long, every day, <laughs> for years, you can really unwrap stuff. And keep in mind, like, that whole time, my goal was to build guitars full-time. So I had a lot of time loading up, um, you know, loading up jigs to put into the extrusion press where I was thinking about the shop and thinking about building guitars and kind of formulating it in my head. So, um, So I did a lot of thinking before... I started doing the resonators. Um, so with now that the resonators seem to be um, successful, at least how I define it, and uh, I, I kind of want to share that knowledge with people who are willing to receive it, because if you don't, then you move on, <laughs> you know. But during that whole time, I, I didn't really have anybody that I could ask, you know, who had done something similar. And so it was... Uh, that was a a big part and why it took so long was uh, like I had no idea what to do or what questions to ask and so um, so I developed a lot of opinions on things and now that I was able to put them into practice and see that see which ones worked and see which ones didn't work if I can if I can write something and provide a shortcut with for somebody else like like that that is awesome you know, to be able to buy somebody time, like, you know, maybe they're running down this road and they hear something and then they, you know, run another direction or they, you know, are kind of that spurs an idea in their head. Um, that's that's pretty amazing to me. That's I mean, I love the guitars and I love the customers who buy them. And like I said, with that connection with the builder, this is about so much more than the guitars you know um it's about connection with people and i can do that with the customers and i can do that with other makers too because we're all in the kind of the same boat and when it's when it's not about the guitar when it's about the people now now it becomes something more than weighing your brace stock and you know like all of that stuff which has its place and is kind of fun but is kind of like self-serving in a way too where you know I only use spruce that has 15 grain lines per inch. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> that's okay, but that's not the point. You know, the point is people, and the point is music, and the point is connection. And when you answer those big questions, it really takes you in a different way um, than than it would have otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So, I mean, that's that's a, a good way to look at things. I mean, it, yeah, it's... A, I'm I'm sure there I mean there I know that people read them and I know that uh you know they I don't I don't build anything for the industry but I've even taken things out of it that I thought were 
they're just interesting ways to think about things. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great it's a great mechanism for for learning. So. Right. So uh, let's see if we can get back to guitars a little bit, so we don't. Yeah. Okay. Lo- lo- yeah. Let's so, segue. Unless people <laughs> they've already they've already turned it off. They're like, oh no, I didn't tune yeah, in for a, right? for this. This yeah, is not. Yeah. I just wanted here, to but... hear about metal stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, guys, get with it. We're talking yeah. about guitars and pizza on this podcast. Yeah. Hey, we could talk about that all, for sure. Oh well, we'll save that for a little later. Well, we got, I got a, I do have a couple co- direct questions about your guitars, though. Um. They, there's, uh, they're definitely different than like the Nationals or something. It seems like you've taken some very specific design elements and, and, uh, like you talked about the back, you think of, thinking of it like a drum head. Seems like there's some very specific things that you do to ensure that yours sound, uh, different or better to you. Uh, and your customers what can you talk about some of that stuff sure yeah and i think i think that word used uh was real good different um because it's it, i mean to me my thinking is is there's no such thing as better there's only different that's why we all have or have had um different guitars because they all do different things and that's kind of the inspiration you hear some you can play a C slash G chord on one guitar and you get a song and then you play it on another guitar and you get a different song and you hear different things. And so the way that I do that differently with the resonators is traditionally thinking um, they wanted the resonator cone to do all the vibrating. So um, the way that they did that was with kind of stiffening up the body with sound posts and biscuits in between the sound wall and the back of the guitar. And so that would provide support for the sound well and also kind of stiffen things up so all of that vibrational energy uh, would go into and come out of the cones um now in the beginning um like from what i learned at huss and dalton was obviously the back of the guitar plays a big role in producing the sound as well and with resonator guitars typically when they sound bad it's because they sound too thin and the way that you get more bass or a warmer sound is by having bigger sound waves. And the only way you can have bigger sound waves is by having a bigger piece of something vibrating. If you look at like your speaker, your computer speaker sitting on your desktop, you have a large speaker with for bass waves and you have a small speaker for triple waves because both of those things do what they do well. You can't have just one do them both very well. It's not physically possible. So right. applying that thing to a resonator guitar, what I wanted to do was have the back vibrate more because that's the biggest vibrational surface. The top isn't vibrating. You got a huge hole cut out in the middle and a sound well glued in there. And I know I know people hear differences with like the flanged f holes versus the cutout f uh, i can't hear it so it's not something i think about i think about the back of the guitar so i wanted to get that vibrating let the cones do what the cones do which is like that upper mid-range and the high end and i want the back to do the warm stuff so what i did was um there's a neck tenon that run that is glued into the heel of the neck and that stretches underneath the sound wall of the guitar 
And what I do is I take a, it's a two and a half inch long screw that goes through the strap button on the end. And that screws into the neck tenon through the side of the guitar. And so traditionally that is cut off. There, there is no screw that goes into that tenon. But because I put that screw in there, the, the string tension is now transferred to the side of the guitar. So you have the vertical side supporting that string tension. Verticals, vertical structures are good at supporting weight. This is just a physical thing. So if I can transfer that tension to a vertical piece that's not very, that's not really vibrating, I get a stronger system and I'm also not interfering with the vibration because I don't have to brace things super heavy. So what I'm able to do is, is support the string tension with the side and then I put a wedge between the neck tenon and the back uh, to kind of tune the back a little bit to to put some tension in there but I can let the I can let the back vibrate so now you have a the large or the wide back vibrating producing bigger bass waves and um, that's kind of that's kind of my thinking with a resonator guitar now people might completely disagree with that <laughs> you know and that's <laughs> and that's totally fine I, what I've learned after building 300 of them is the sound is very different and I love it and it doesn't there's no structural deficiency with that it's a strong system um and it's it sound that's very different than your traditional resonator which is what I want so um and it's all because of that 2 inch 2 and a half inch long screw going into the neck tenon that's uh that's really interesting that's uh yeah yeah it makes sense um you know when you when you let things do what they're kind of naturally and physically do well I think you have a better guitar. Don't don't try to make your, you know, filing out in between your string slots improve your mid-range. It's like a nut is there to guide strings onto, <laughs> you know, where they should be. <laughs> it's it's not this great influencer of tone. Focus your energy um uh where it matters and and I I'm of the opinion that the closer to the saddle um, the more difference you can make in any instrument. The further th further away you get from the saddle, the less of a difference um, you can make in an instrument. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, going going back to the back, I with the focus of of uh, kind of the focus that sounded like was was really trying to get that back to vibrate, which makes me think. That not only, I mean, yes, different players sound differently, but not only is the player having a, an effect on the sound with his hands, it seems like a differently shaped person would make the guitar sound different because the back is resting on them. Is, is, am I like reaching here or is that make Um, You sense? might be reaching a little bit. I think it, like, I mean, I don't typically play with the back against me and, um, if you do like the where that where that and I've got a resin right here where that um where that wedge is between the neck tenon and the back is like mm -hmm. smack in the middle of that lower bout. So if you were to like if you were to really press that guitar against your body, you can affect the sound of it. But there's already that wedge in the middle, so typically where if it would rest against you, you're still resting against that wedge. Got it. So Got it's it. it's okay. not really a dramatic um, difference in tone if you're you know 
if it's sitting up against you or not. I I see. Okay, that's that's a little differently than what I was picturing in my in my head. Yeah, so that, that for sure. Sense. And I, you know, I'm not I'm not a uh, expert in this, but I remember reading um, something Irvin Samoji was talking about tuning tops, and and uh, and forgive me if I'm misquoting him, but um, I I believe he's of the opinion that the outside edges of the guitar is where like that's where it contributes most to like the bass response. And, um, so yeah, you have the wedge in the middle, but as you go away from the wedge, it gets looser. So that's able to vibrate more. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the thinking with that, uh, wedge back there. Got it. Got it. Um, well, so we've, we've talked about the guitars, but the, you are up to some other things and we're, we're almost, we're getting down to the last few here and I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of like, yes, obviously, if anyone hasn't figured it out yet, uh, Matt makes resonator guitars, um, but he also makes some other stuff. So what, can you talk about the some of the other things you do? Um, yeah, so we do the resonators, and then uh, we started doing electric guitars. We call them mule casters. And um, the, yeah, they're steel-bodied T-style guitars, and uh, um, those are super fun. So then we we started going on the electric guitar path. Um, so then we started winding pickups. Um, so we we make our own pickups now. Adam Smith, who works um, at Mule, he also winds the the pickups for us. And and those are super fun because kind of like with the resonator stuff was I was a non metal guy making metal guitars. We were not pickup guys making pickups. <laughs> and so <laughs> that was kind of fun because what we were able to do was kind of pull ideas from different pickups that we liked and put them together without any preconceived notion of, well, these El Nico 2s versus El Nico 3s, you know, whatever. We were able to put those magnets and go like, I can't hear the difference, <laughs> you know. Right. But then we would try some some you know, different windings or gauge or physical structure of the pickup. And we go like, whoa, like we really like that. So, uh, so we make a, a neck pickup that we call, it's a, it's in a mini humbucker housing. We call it the uh, Tom Thumbucker. And then we make a bridge pickup that we call the We 90. That's also in a mini humbucker size. And, um, that's been really fun because we were able to take different elements of different pickups and put them together. So even though it's in a mini humbucker housing, it's not a mini humbucker. But ooh, but we like that size. There was something about the sound of that. And being able to approach pickups in kind of that free way was, was pretty cool. And we got we got two pickups that we really love. And so we so we make those for the mule casters, but we also have this other site we call um, MuleStuff.com, where we kind of sell things that we make along the way. Um, so we sell those pickups on Mule Stuff, and then we also have tuners there um, that I designed and then had made. Um, they're three on a plate uh, acoustic guitar tuners for slot head and solid head, and that was me kind of beefing with kind of the mid-grade tuners that are available now is like <laughs> it kind of felt like either you buy $30 cheapies or you buy $150 wave release and there wasn't really anything in the middle that 
looked really nice or worked decently. So um, these are kind of trying to my contribution to um, to uh, other builders to try to get some nice looking uh, mid grade tuners. So nice. Um, nice. Yeah. So that's on MuleStuff.com. So that's that's like and we sell hats there too. That's just kind of our thing where we like do fun stuff and put it on there and you know sell it from there. So right. Right. That's that's really cool. Um, yeah. There was there was something. Oh yeah, was there some? So like a, obviously, a resonator and a the mule caster are like two. Well, they're both metal. They're two very different things. Was was there an inspiration for it? Like you said, you you. I mean, we've talked a lot about metal, but in referring the music term metal, you said you used to be into metal, and I'm yeah. think, keep thinking you're gonna make something eventually that would be more for that genre where the the you know the telecaster style is still kind yeah of like i know it. um you know i've thought about it the thing really the inspiration for making the electric guitars was me wanting to buy a tig welder like so um <laughs> so like the resonators they're all like formed over like jigs and stuff and then they're soldered uh the the steel is really thin and so soldering is like the lowest temperature. If you get metal hot, especially stainless steel, it will warp. And so you want to use that low temperature method of joining the metal with the resos because the steel is thinner. With the um, electric guitars, because there's more curves and stuff involved, you can't really form that and then solder it. So you have to TIG weld the plates. And I, I, TIG welding for me was kind of like driving a manual shift car when I was 18. It was like one of those bucket list things where I just like wanted to be capable, <laughs> you know, right. like, so, <laughs> you know, I'm going to learn how to do this. So I had, I really had no idea how to TIG weld, but everyone talked about TIG welding as like the ultimate like welding um, technique. And so it was really kind of this excuse for me to buy a TIG welder and learn how to use it. So um, so I just do the Telecaster style ones now, and, um, you know, I might do a, I might do a crazy metal guitar, um, in the future, but man, we got, we've got like a hundred guitars on a wait list right now. So trying to figure out another type of guitar kind of makes me queasy. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I think we'll leave it. At the Rezo and the Mulecaster for now. Call it good. Yeah, that's probably that's probably best for the customers. So, hey, I ordered a guitar. Why are you wasting your time making yeah, a nice Yeah, right. Man I know. And best <laughs> for me. Like I said, I mean, this was brutal figuring this stuff out. So, like, every time I try to come up with a new one and get the itch, it ends up being a lot harder than I imagined. Right. Uh, yeah, that that's true. As much yeah. as we just uh, shouted about just do it, you know, sometimes it, the process is difficult. But sometimes hey. you need to lay in a hammock and drink a beer. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, that's a. That's, I'm gonna. That's gonna be the quote for this episode. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you just need to lay in a hammock and drink a beer. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. <laughs> Well, so we are right down to the last few. Um, we, uh, uh, where can everybody find you on the internet? And then we'll go for the last question. Okay. Um, well, the website is muleresophonic.com and, uh, I'm on Instagram, mule resonator guitars and really Instagram is where, uh, we update the most. 
So if you want to see yummy resonator building pictures and general shop hijinks, uh, Instagram's the place to do it. Right on, right on. So, Matt, all right, the final question that everybody's been dying to know the whole time, which would be, what kind of pizza do you like? <laughs> the pizza? Um, if you're ever in Elma, Michigan, is where I grew up, mm-hmm. Pizza Sam's Pizza, okay, is the best. The best pizza. Get it baked on a screen, okay, it makes the crust all yummy and good. Oh. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a meat pizza guy, so you know you put all that ham, put all that bacon, all that pepperoni on there, bake it on a screen, go down to Pizza Sam's, pick it up, and you will not be disappointed. So do it. That sounds good. I never thought about oh, baking so on good. a screen. That's oh, genius. Oh yeah, man, it's great. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I know. I hate I'm to having... say that. I mean, I lived in Chicago, and you'd think like, oh yeah, I know this place in Chicago. Yeah, no, go to Pizza Stands in Elma, have their pizza, be impressed. Okay, I will, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, that's, uh, that's about it for this episode. Um, so thank you for coming on. Yeah, man, thanks for uh, having me and letting me rant and rave and talk about guitars. Absolutely, absolutely. So for Matt, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good times. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings So why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com slash StringJoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.